welcome to another webinar Wednesday. Again, it's great to have Maggie with me. Uh, we've uh, not been together for a couple of weeks and you've listened to some other stuff, but I know many of you love our chats. So uh, another parable then, Maggie, today. We're going to talk about uh, a story Jesus told, uh, which we'll unpack a little bit for everybody, which is about 10 young girls that were betrothed and, and a bridegroom. So uh, and it really interesting story. It is, Steve. I think it's... Um... I know, I know people get, you know, once you get to Matthew 24 and 25, some people start getting a bit scared and don't want to read, read that because it can sound a bit intense. But I think there's challenge in this parable, but I think there's great encouragement as well. Yeah. And, you know, you said before, we've got a number of parables about weddings and the bridegroom. Yeah. And this is all about the bridegroom. And I think whatever else we see in this story, we've got to focus on the bridegroom because the bridegroom's the, the wonderful one, the lovely one. It's Jesus we're talking about. And mm. he's the one um, that we've got to think about in this parable and how we respond to him. Definitely. Well, we, we talked about this a little bit in previous times. Um, this, this story really um, just needs unfolding a little bit. Uh, mm. In times, in their times, a betrothal engagement was just as legally binding as the marriage ceremony. There was no physical relationship between the man and the woman, but there was a whole lot of legalities that went on. Uh, families committing themselves to each other, not just, not just the just the bride or the bridegroom. It was a whole family affair. And then once the betrothal had taken place, there was a time then of preparation, uh, twofold. Uh, one, the wedding feast, wedding supper would have to be arranged, which would be a big affair, probably the whole town and village comes to it, as we saw in Cana in Galilee. And obviously the other bit uh, is that the bridegroom goes and prepares a place for them to live. So he might have to build it, he might have to get some land, he might have to dig foundations. So this story in its context is the bridegroom has gone away and the bride and these, these girls have no idea when he's coming back, do they? No, and... I think it's lovely because, like you said, that in a way they're bridesmaids, aren't they? And they've they've got a role, an important role, and and part of their role is to help the bride get ready and stay ready for the bridegroom whenever he comes. Mm. And you know, the great thing is for the bride and the bridesmaids that they they know, however long he's going to be away doing the business, mm. it's, it's it's good stuff he's doing. And he's going to come back. Mm. He's promised he's going to come back for the bride because he loves her. Mm. And uh, so, you know, as we think about what that's, that's, that's going to mean for us, that I think that's a really important starting place, that this is the bridegroom is doing good stuff. He's gone away. Yeah. He's gone for rest. Yeah. He's preparing something for the bride. And he wants the bride to be ready when he comes back. Yeah, he says that, doesn't he, Jesus? He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. So, you know, and he said, if I'm going to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back. And, and, and then we're going to both be together where, where I've been preparing. She's yes. you know, fantastic. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, you know, some of the customs that are mentioned here, Steve, you know, that it, it, the thing with the lamps and the oil, that when they go to the feast, when he comes back, and suddenly it will be feasting time, yeah. and then the consummation of the marriage and all that. And part of what will happen, what will be wonderful, is that as they go to this feast, there'll be a great procession of lights. Mm. Now, when I used to read this, you know, I used to think about all these little clay lamps, probably, or, you know, like tea lights in a little lantern that you bought from Dunelms or the Garden Centre <laughs> or something. 
but you know that's that's not it at all is it because th this is a big procession through the streets yeah and so you need a lot of light We're, there's not going to be street lights and stuff so what we're talking here is like great big torches really isn't it mm. and you know long poles pieces of rag on the end which sounds very dangerous to me <laughs> and they trim them off and then um the olive oil is lit on the end of the torch and part of the responsibility of these bridesmaids bless them is to have that all sorted out to have the torches sorted out and plenty of oil because they would have needed to keep replenishing the oil every few minutes, probably every 10 to 15 minutes to keep these lights going. Mm. Um, and that's an important part. If that, if that doesn't happen, mm. the celebration is diminished. Of course. And so they've got a very important job there. Isn't it amazing how the Bible dovetails together? You know, I mean, people often say, how do you know that the Bible's true and all the books that they're supposed to be there? But when you start to think about the context of what you've just said, mm. the, the oil, and the light, mm. you know, the Bible talks us about us having the, the oil of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, you know, we're yes. anointed. And yeah. obviously, and Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, but therefore you're going to be the light of the world. So all of yes. these things are just perfectly fit together. You know, you couldn't, you couldn't yes. make it happen in a million years. And the Bible just has a way of just explaining itself. Yes. These pictures. Yeah. Lots of layers, always lots of layers of meaning and lots of... Not, not every tiny little bit might join up tidily, but there's so many threads all through, and these are like lovely threads, aren't they, that, that go through. Yeah, um, definitely. I was thinking about this in, in its context, really, because especially with what's going on in the Ukraine at the moment, and, you know, we've come out of a pandemic. Um, it's so easy to take our eyes off the job that's in hand, and, and obviously the five what the Bible calls foolish ones, uh, and got their minds on something else because they, they were ill-prepared for the long wait. And I think sometimes Christians, you know, we, we want this to almost to be a sprint, but the Christian walk is a marathon, and we need to be prepared, don't we? Uh, you know, we don't know when Jesus is coming back, uh, but we need to be prepared and ready for when he does. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, Steve, that, you know, people in the early church even thought that, that he probably meant he was going to be coming back in the next few years, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it didn't happen. And, you know, through church history, haven't you seen periods where people have been trying to work out the times, the dates and said, well, you know, here are some signs, this is happening, that's happening. It must be soon. And as you say, it's easy then to sort of take our minds off things. And I think, of course, Steve, because of all, the, there's a lot of calamity going on at the minute, isn't that we've had COVID, we've got all these environmental issues that are going on, which means it feels like the world's out of control a lot. It's weather, you know, extreme weather systems and things. Mm. And then you look at Matthew 24 and 25 and you think, surely this means, you know, we're near the end. And, uh, and then wars, and we haven't had a big war like this for a long time and wars and rumors of wars are something that that Matthew talks about in particular, but we still don't know. And, and the thing is that, that Jesus says several times, doesn't he? Nobody knows, even he doesn't know. Only the father knows, the angels don't know. Even Jesus doesn't know what's on the father's timetable for when he'll be and in a moment like that. And will be in a moment. And, but I think as we, see all the stuff going around and you say it's easy to get bombarded not, not just by the events and the calamities 
But I think, Steve, as a church, sometimes we get very distracted by what's going on in our culture. Mm. Uh, just communication, social media stuff, we're bombarded all the time with all sorts of stuff that I think can cause distractions for us as God's people. Yeah. And, and, and it becomes like a fog. And th this, this being ready and this sharpness and this keeping in touch with Jesus and what's really happening, not trying to work out the times or the seasons like each other disciples, don't do that. Mm. But when he was going back into heaven, that's exactly what he said. You focus on me. Yeah. Don't you focus on me and don't try and work things out, but focus on me. And that's that's got to continue with that sharpness now yeah. and being in the spirit and saying, okay, God, what is happening now? How do we read what, what you're doing now? And mm -hmm. how do we get in line with what you are doing now and respond to it as you would want us to? These are the crucial things. Definitely. I've been saying to our folks for a long time, you know, the, you know, when Jesus comes back, you know, it's our glorious hope, not our miserable conclusion. And unfortunately, the, the church has a way of focusing down and looking at the round of the world and seeing yeah. what's happening now and going, oh, whatever's going to happen? Well, we know what's going to happen. The king's coming yeah. back and he's going to, he's, he's the prince of peace. He's going to put all right. Yeah. And as you, and as you rightly say, no one knows the time or the hour, but there is going to be a point in history when, the God, God the Father turns to his son and says, go and get your bride. And yeah. what, what glorious day that's going to be. Um, yeah. But yeah. we do need to keep our focus without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. And I think for me, Steve, when I read, I've read this story, you know, you know, we've both read the story probably hundreds of times. And I, for me, I think we, and on the one end, we have to be careful not to get tangled up with things that he might not be saying, because in, in one sense, a parable usually just has a main point. And the main point for me is... The bridegroom's coming back, be excited, there will be a party, but get ready, be ready. Yeah. But I think as we as we do read through the story, this morning again, I was looking at it earlier, and it's almost, I think there are three groups of people here that, that, that it has something to say to. I think it had something to say for the Jews then, mm. and, and for everybody now, Jews and Gentiles alike, if they haven't recognised who Jesus is yet, Mm. They might even be in church or in the temple or whatever, mm. and but haven't really hooked on to, you know, this is Jesus, the son of God. This is the bridegroom and mm. he's invited you to the feast. And, you know, there's a somber bit of the story because when the bridegroom comes back in the story, the bridesmaids, even though they're bridesmaids and they're not ready, the door's shut. Mm. There's a cutting off time for when we'll be able to get into the feast. And if, we're not if, if we haven't recognised him yet and he comes, there won't be, oh, well, you know, I need a bit of time to get sorted out. It, you know, it's always, now is the day of salvation, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. so I would say to anybody listening, you know, who's not sure and perhaps you're in church, even you've started to, to, yeah. to open yourself up to God, just do, do, just be open to him and start responding to him. Now, don't wait and think, oh, well, when I'm a bit older or when I've sorted this out or whatever, just get there. And, and the other thing that it reminded me, Steve, that the, the bridesmaids, they have an important role to help to get the bride ready. Yeah. And I believe, Steve, I think there's quite a bit in this parable to say, not just generally to the church, although, of course, there is, but I think there's things to say to us as leaders mm. 
who are helping to get supposed to be helping to get the bride ready. Yeah. But it starts with us, that sharpness and that focusing on him, mm. being clear that and and in with a bride, there's that beauty of a bride and that cleanness, isn't that? You know, when a bride doesn't come to her wedding grubby and creased mm -hmm. up. No. In Peter, I think it says, when the bride's ready, there's no yeah. there's no dirty marks on her dress, there's no creases. No. It doesn't need to be ironed or sprayed or anything. She's, mm. she's perfect and beautiful. And as leaders, our, our first call is to mm. leave Jesus so much with the bridegroom, so much. Mm that that cleanness and that beauty is on us first and that we're able to help the, the bride to be her, who she's meant to be. Already. Yeah. I've often said to our people, we're one ugly bride at the moment, you know. You know, when you get out of bed and you're not looking your best. <laughs> I think that's how the church is at the moment. But uh, we need to get a shower, wash our hair, uh, put our curlers in, get the lipstick on, the eyeliner. Because uh, we need to get ready. And the, and the scripture says the bride has made herself ready. That there's, there's a responsibility on the church to, to be ready for when Jesus comes back. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, that there's... Um, last week I was in a, a, a lovely conference. I was privileged to go to a new wine leaders conference. Every speaker had roughly the same thing to say. No, they came with different things. But just... Maggie, can you move your mic? When you, that's Sorry, are you losing me? Yeah, yeah. I think it's when you get excited and you hit your laptop. I think. <laughs> Is that better? That's better. That's really clear. Yeah. Good. Okay. Um, yeah, I was in this new wine leaders conference last week, and nearly every speaker came saying the same thing: that you know, our first call not just as leaders, but as the people, but us first as leaders, isn't the ministry, it isn't my ministry. Mm. It's it's to Jesus, to the bridegroom first. You know, yeah. and the bridegroom says, like he says to Peter, do you love me? Mm. Do you love me? And then he gives him the ministry. Mm. And I think this, this is a time, if we're going to be ready, really ready, then I think as leaders that time spent with Jesus, with the bridegroom, getting his heart for us, getting his heart for, for the bride um, is, is crucial. It's always crucial, but I think in these days, it's especially crucial, Steve. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, and we really need to put our focus on that. Um, I was just thinking, as you were talking about the, the, the bride, the bridesmaids, you know, the honoured guests aren't they bridesmaids? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the truth is, and you might be listening to us today, the truth is, the Lord wants everyone at that wedding feast. Uh, the, the, but the matter of the course of the matter is, unless you have his Holy Spirit deposited in you, then mm. you, you're not going to be there. And it's no good turning them to some Christian at some point and saying, uh, help me help me get there. No, no, you need that personal oil yourself. You need to have that relationship with Jesus, don't you? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And, and again, if you need help with that and you've got nobody around you now, to, please contact us. Yeah, definitely. Because it's a simple step in a way. It's a simple step that we just need um, to say, Jesus, you know, I don't understand a lot, but I, I need you in my life. And I, I uh, trust what you've done for me on the cross and yeah. want you to deal with the stuff that's kept me from you. And I ask you to, uh, I invite your Holy Spirit to come and live in me. I want mm -hmm. you to be the boss. I want to follow you and I want whatever you've got for me. 
Mm. And if you say that with a with an open and clear heart, he's going to do the business. Yeah, but absolutely. If, if you don't know other Christians um, that can help you do that, then then please be in touch with. But don't wait. Yeah, don't wait. No, I, th- I said that yesterday morning. You know, uh, unfortunately, the church has been pretty much uh, tied to a building. Um, but actually, Jesus can meet you where you are. You know, you might be sitting in your bedroom watching this and you've never been to a church in your life or you may have been to a church years ago and just kind of got disillusioned. And, but the, the important matter is, yeah, of course, we want you back in church. That's important for your growth. But actually, you need to be connected with Jesus. Um, and that's why, Maggie, I've, I've taken this time this year to say I'm preaching nothing but Jesus. So every time I open my Bible to preach this year, I'm going to be pointing people to, to the only one that can do anything. When you look at this world situation, that's a, will peace talks work? Mm. Will, you know, sanctions work? Will, yes. th- th- there's only one that can sort all this out, and he's the Prince of Peace. That's right, yeah, yeah. And I think at this time, um, Steve, that, that's exactly, I think this, this parable for us as the church and, and as leaders is saying, you lift, you put the bridegroom on display, let people see who the bridegroom is, and then they'll fall in love with him. Mm-hmm. And then people will realise that he's the only one that can satisfy and he's the only one that can sort any mess out in our lives. Um, but to, to make the bridegroom stand out, to make him clear and to let people see the bridegroom as he really is, mm-hmm. um, so that they, they long for that relationship. And, you know, I think sometimes we, we can see Jesus as this, this, this person who's going to, you know, make our lives uncomfortable and put lots of demands on us and be very challenging. But, and that may happen, <laughs> but it, first he's the bridegroom mm-hmm. who comes with the offer of love and a covenant love uh, where he promises to be mm-hmm. all and much more than, than any human bridegroom could be. Yeah. Um, and we need to remember that first because it makes he's, he's safe. He is safe for us to come to and give our, uh, our response to and our lives to. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, it's um, yeah, and I'm just absolutely just enamoured with the whole uh, thing about lifting Jesus up. I've been saying to our folks, you know, the, the scripture says if if we lift him up, he'll draw all men unto us. You know. Yeah. I think the unfortunate thing with the church is we want to do more. So we need to do more social action. We need to pray more. We need to yeah. actually, no, we just need to lift Jesus up more. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, all of our actions still are just like filthy rags. You know, we can do our best. And of course, we want to help people. And of course, it's the yeah. mission of the church to help the poor and look after the widows and the orphans. That's what Jesus told us to do. But, you know, but it's in Jesus name that we do it. And with the point, and pointed it to him. Otherwise, we just become like every other charity that exists, you know, yes. just good humans to humans. But the church exists beyond humanity. It points to divinity, and we want to point everybody to Jesus, don't we? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I hear lots of people saying, Steve, the same these days. We, we felt we've got lots of things we wanted to teach in our church this term. Mm. And and we've just scrapped them all and gone back to the Gospels, gone back to the Gospel of John, and we're just doing Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And we're encouraging people to go back to the Gospels and, and read Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah, um, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I love preaching the Old Testament, I have to tell you. Oh, yeah. The, the Old yeah. Testament is some of the most incredible stories ever. 
Yeah. But actually, what I do have to say is this, that all of that just points to Jesus, you know. Yes. Uh, yeah. So we, we need to understand that. I get a little frustrated when I hear preachers and they preach from the Old Testament and then put, give us some old business principles behind it. And we, we go away thinking, well, was that a self-help book or was it, you know, the Bible? Um, but when you put people to Jesus, you just can't go wrong, ever go wrong. No, it's it's like he's the centrepiece of the jigsaw puzzle, isn't it? And the whole of the Bible, mm. you know, uh, all sorts of clues and um, and pieces that just um, point to him. Mm. And he's he's the centre of the whole thing. Yeah. That's brilliant. And, uh, yeah, so I, I, I think this is this is although this is a challenging parable. Mm. Mm. It's it's such an exciting parable mm. because it's it's the rem, it's a reminder and says that you know everybody loves a wedding I think don't we mm -hmm. and you know because there's usually plenty to eat and drink and people are relaxed and having fun they're celebrating a, a hopefully uh, a good relationship and a love relationship and and we all love a good love story mm. but you know this is the most amazing love story. Um, that God sent his son um, mm. to, to call us and, and to be his bride. Mm. And uh, he says, that, you know, when I come back, it's going to be celebrating. Mm. So um, I think we, we need, although we are in serious times and we're in very complex times, as the church also, we need to be celebrating and seem to be celebrating what. God has given us that mm. is distinctive, that's different from what culture can offer us and what, what any human thinking can offer us. But we are celebrating something marvellous. And so I, I, do, you, do you understand what I mean? Mm. Does that make sense? I think we still need to be in celebration mode. Yes, we do. We definitely do. And I think one of the things that we really need to grasp hold of is, is that, you know, there are people in other generations that have gone through wars and plagues and pestilences. But for those who have known Jesus, they've had that stability. Yes. You know, situations will come and go, uh, yes. but he, he, Jesus is the rock on which we put our feet. Oh, I, I was talking a little bit about that yesterday morning in church, you know, he's yes. the only place to stand. Um, yes. And you talked about a covenant, you know, people make promises. A covenant promise was a really strong promise. Yeah. Um, in, in those times, covenants were cut with blood. You know, you'd, you'd mm. uh, exchange mingled blood, the blood mm. covenant. Did, right. the, uh, to the two uh, people who made the covenant would cha change coats. So they're saying, you, you, I'll look after you, you'll look after me. They used to swap weapons belts as well. You know, they used to swap swords mm. that I'll protect you. There's a whole lot of imagery going on there. And yeah. the promises were very, very, you know, they would not break a covenant promise. But if that's how men, would have a covenant how much more in the covenant that jesus has made for us on the cross with his own blood he's not going to renege on it anytime soon war or no war covid or no covid mm. jesus has made some promises to his loved ones and he's coming back for us yes absolutely and and i i think um to remember that of course the father and through the son and the holy spirit he's got a perspective on all this stuff as well now and that as we go to him and as we, as, as you say, as we're lifting Jesus up and as we're in tune with the Holy Spirit as his people, mm. we, we, we get the right perspective there on yeah. how to see everything that's going on in the waiting period. I know the waiting period, like in the story, you know, can be hard, 
and when when you because uh, the bride would have felt separated from the bridegroom now in a sense it's different for us because we're not separated from him okay he's not walking about on the earth and we'd have loved that but we are going to be walking about with him in, you know when we get there but it, but we can still be in very very close relationship with him here yes. and we can get his heart on things we can get his word on things one thing that stuck out to me you just talked about you know the rock and everything and a, a little story i was reading last week steve that again i've read dozens of times just the story about the wise man building on the rock you know and of course it was building on the words of jesus the point is you know jesus says you come and you build on my words you listen to what i'm saying and then just do it and and then your life will be strong and there was one little phrase in the story where it's, you know, the wise man dug deep mm. and he, he just got, you know, he, he dug deep into the rock to get his foundations right. And I think this is a time for us as well as we as we're seeking Jesus, that we dig deep into what he says. You know, mm. sometimes we can gloss over stuff and things and then we get hit by COVID's whammies and things like this. And then we start getting all wobbly. Mm. And Jesus said, like, you don't need to get wobbly, mm. you know, get deep into me, dig deep into me yeah. and what I'm saying. And I, I am the one you can trust. I am your bridegroom. I am going to be faithful in this and uh, keep your eyes on me. Absolutely. And when you think about that, we'll finish with that, with that parable, which is another parable we could, we could talk about for a long time, mm. is that those that built upon the rock, which he said was his word, when the winds came, and the war came and the COVID came, the house stood firm. Uh, but those that were built on Bitcoin and uh, Sky News and the rest of it, they felt like a pack of cards. So, you know, we just want to encourage you today to put your trust in Jesus, get ready for his coming and put your feet up on the rock. That's good, isn't it? <laughs> I enjoyed that, Maggie. That was great. So, uh, <laughs> thank you for another session. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. So we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. And uh, God bless you. Thanks.